When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Badass Women's Hour, the podcast. Yes, this is our little gift to all those of you who didn't quite make the live show on Saturday night. These are our best bits. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm here with Emma Sexton and Natalie Campbell. Ladies, what did you love about our Saturday night show? Oh, well, tonight was really good because we had Jada Cesar on and she was just amazing. Like, I don't know, just I really liked her vibe in terms of the zen and everything she's doing. What was your favourite bit, Nat? I agree. Uh, really, She had really good mind hacks and she's someone that really understands how to get the best out of your mind to live a really good life. Yeah. All of that is coming up on this show now. And do you know what? If you loved it, you should rate and review it. Five stars, because that's the gift that you give to us. Badass Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio. Femba can go to hell. Fearless opinion and inspirational conversation on the hour of badass power. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators, but no one compares. Badass Women's Hour XL with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. One, two, three, four! Welcome to Badass Women's Hour XL with me, Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton here on Talk Radio, here with you all the way through till 10pm tonight. Uh, we have got a packed show coming up, we've got lots to talk about. We're going to talk about the pay gap, obviously, biggest news of the week, we're going to be debating it. Do not tweet us and tell us that it doesn't exist, we don't want to know about it. Uh, we are also going to be talking about Have I Got News For You? Could one of you ladies host Have I Got News For You? I think we totally. I, there needs to be a badass Have I Got News For You. That's exactly what is needed. Uh, plus, the amazing plus-size model Jada Cesar is in the studio with us. Uh, she's going to be talking to us all about her career and running the marathon in your underwear. But as ever, we are going to kick off with the news stories that have caught our attention this week. Uh, first of all is Pay Gap. Nat, tell us about Pay Gap. What have we been talking about it? Gender pay gap. So gender pay gap has been all over the headlines this week because a number of companies just aren't doing very well. Uh, and this isn't news to anyone because we've discussed it uh, multiple times. But actually, I think having it front and center in front of people has really made them wake up. And we were talking about this before. Stella um, Creasy, the MP, has said, actually, we need to make this like the Me Too movement. So pay Me Too, just to get people to realize how big of an issue it is that people doing this people doing the same job and not being paid the same amount of money so men and women sitting side by side doing exactly the same thing and not being paid the same amount of money 
And the reason this is so big this week is because if you work for a company with more than 250 employees, it's now officially part of the legislation that they have to report on their gender pay gap. And what they're reporting on is the average amount paid to a woman working for them and the average amount paid to a man working for them. Um, so that's, but they now have to do it by law. I think over 10,000 companies have reported, I think apparently about 1,500 or so that were supposed to haven't. Um, but one thing that come out, nearly 80% of them have a gender pay gap in favour of men now. So it, it has been voluntary for a while. And so the reason that there's been this trickle through is larger companies, so the HSBCs of the world, have already been putting this data out. And there was a story um, a couple of weeks ago that we covered briefly, uh, the pay gap difference between um, men and women doing the same job in HSBC and Goldman Sachs, the difference is nearly 75%. And so it's been a slow trickle through. And now that this date is here and everyone has now have, had, has had to make their, their data um, public and large, there is a huge outcry is it also for me the perception that i've got from this as well is it is really really showing up now the differences in terms of uh, men and women at the top of businesses because there's you know there's a deep because you know you get that pushback don't you and you're like oh actually you know most women get paid fairly you know but it, it's just there are so few of them at the top yeah that's why. exactly <laughs> but no but now i think that this is really kind of reinforcing now that we do have a problem where we don't have enough women at the top of these businesses and we need to start changing that not just that it's the volume so where it was one and two companies, you'd hone in on the company. Now we have all of this data to be analysed. Actually, it's changed the game. So it's like, oh, yeah. it's not just one or two. It's a trend. It's a thing. We're going to be talking about this more throughout the show. We've got a woman who has actually been analysing the data. Um, Sean Webb from Gapsquare is going to be on the phone with us a bit later on, telling us all about what that data tells us. So story that's caught my attention this week have I got news for you? Mm. I loved this story. So Ian Hislop and Paul Merton did an interview in the Radio Times, which is obviously, you know, essentially, I mean, I know it's not, but it's basically the BBC's in-house magazine. It's very, very nice to the BBC a lot of the time. And it asked them why there had been so few female MPs hosting the show, because they quite often get a male MP. Apparently roughly one in 10 of those MPs is a woman. And so they asked them why that was. And uh, Ian Hislop said he thinks it's because women aren't confident enough. <sighs> and so that, that when they do ask the women, the women turn them down. Oh, Ian. Which, and then Paul backed him up. And there, it's this big, like... Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Basically, boys saying, it's, we ask... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just love it. We ask so many women. Don't you know how <laughs> many women we've asked? And they all say no. I mean, nobody's called me, Ian. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's called me. Um, and I love how it's, a, you know, it's the women. It's always, isn't it? The women, you're just not confident enough. Yeah. You know, and it's like, no, no, no. Actually, we don't want to come and play on your crappy game show <laughs> because you're just not very nice hosts. Well, this is the really interesting thing that kicked off because I put a post on my Instagram. Um, if you want to check it out, it's at Harriet Minter. Put my post on Instagram about it um, saying, please don't tell me this about women and confidence because I, all the women I know would bite your hand off at that invitation. They would absolutely take it. And I got inundated with responses from men and women saying, that's not true. We'd feel really uncomfortable. Or when I ask women, they don't come and do it. Or when I've tried to get women on my show, they won't come. But uncomfortable is different to not confident, right? Because uh, yes, that, that's a, that's the difference thing. Because you know, 
I'm a confident person, but I wouldn't want to go on that show because I, you know, I've, I'm in the reading that I've been do- doing. When Anne Widdicombe hosted it, they totally annihilate, annihilated her, basically. So basically, so what they do, because they've been working together for so long, they know each other's vibe. They can easily gang up on any individual. And I find that they do it more often with women. In addition, with the editing, there is so much of the show that's, that's films that we don't see. So with the editing, actually, women, when they do get some airtime, don't seem to say the punchy witty thing it's always saved for those two individuals and therefore if I was a woman watching I'd be like well what's the point in going on because they're not going to make me look like the brilliant one so I think that's exactly it now because what most people don't know is that have I got news for you is 99.9% scripted yeah so the stuff that looks like off the cuff banter has been scripted um but what it seems to me as a woman watching it's two things which is one the women don't get the funny lines Mm -mm. They don't. They're there to be school marmish yes. and keep everyone in check. They play matron. They pl- always exactly. play matron. They play matron, which is not a lot of fun. So then they don't look like the big star of the show. They're not made to look funny. They're not helped to look funny. And the second thing is that they do kind of make it them and us. Yeah. And I think, in fairness to the guys on the show, they don't know they're doing it. They don't know that they treat the women. Hang a bit on, hang on. Paul Merton and Ian Hislop. Ian Hislop is one of the most intelligent men. Yes, but what do we know about intelligence? It has nothing to do with unconscious bias. So they sometimes, I would imagine, I bet sometimes they think they're being really nice. Mm. I think they think they're giving that person an Mm. easier ride. Mm. But they don't actually understand that the atmosphere on that show is boys' locker room. So a woman walking onto it already feels out of place. I'm sorry, I'm just getting a bit bored of giving guys like Ian Hislop and Paul Merton who are intelligent smart people they just don't understand has there not been enough media they they're all you know have I got news for you is reviewing the news every week are you not reading the same stories that we're reading I seriously have got no tolerance for them (laughs) no I I, I agree with you I think though there's there's a couple of sides either we really really push to be on the show or we create our own formats I think we create our own show (laughs) and and that's that's the thing have I got news for you is what it is. They are the two individuals that hold the show up. The ba- they've been bantering together for so long. So much of the show is driven by their banter. A bit like Top Gear. You know, if you remove certain lines and you don't give them enough space to have banter, there is no show. And so, actually, why try and fit a, a female narrative into that if it's just not going to fit? Part of my brain says that. But in addition, we do. they do need to make sure they get more women on. And they need to work harder to create the space for those women to have the funny lines because it is scripted and if anyone tells me oh this was an off-the-cuff comment because that guy's so witty no no, it wasn't it was all scripted and then in the edit make sure that if the woman does say something brilliant you put it in the edit the best woman on there was joe brand do you remember joe brand she totally annihilated them in a really smart way she didn't she didn't even know she just she she just 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 said the facts yeah the facts out and she just made them have that wake up moment where they went Oh, yeah, I did say something quite stupid. Yeah. So if you didn't see it, uh, they were talking about sexual harassment in Parliament. And Ian Hislop said, oh, I think it's all gone a bit far now. And everyone's being a bit silly. And, you know, we're essentially ruining sexual harassment because women are complaining about having their knees touched, etc., etc." And Joe Brand was hosting. She was the only woman on the show. And she said, actually, as the only woman here, I just have to say it hasn't <laughs> gone too far. And she really explained mm. why it hadn't and why they needed to really think through their opinion before spouting it off and it was brilliant and if you haven't seen it on youtube go watch it yeah so ian hislop do better paul merton do better no but it's not just them is what i'm trying to say it's the producers, producers. the exec producers the casting it's the editors because i'm guessing they are all men like 
the two men on the show. So they're just doing what makes them feel like great men. And people, you know, and also they're banter. just, you know, they think that I'm sure, I'm sure they they published a list of people that they have emailed asking them to be on the show. I'm sure they would find there are a lot of women on that list, yeah. right? But I pretty much guarantee that list would still be thirty, seventy women to men, mm-hmm. because that's a number at which we think we've got a lot of, and we haven't. And I'm also really sure that the email will be exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So be like, hey, we think you'd be great on the show. Come on. Mm, I'm not really feeling that. Thanks anyway. Yeah. <laughs> And no response to that, no pushing, no explaining why they think they'd be great, no explaining what they want them to talk about. Yeah, I think there is an understanding that actually if you're having trouble getting people on your show, you have to work harder. Yeah, or think about why they're not coming on your show. Yeah. And if there exactly. is a woman that works on Have I Got News For You, give us a call Yeah, and yeah. Tell, us, Let's chat. tell us otherwise. Let's love to know show. what goes yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Emma, what story has caught your eye this oh, week? Oh, caught my eye. <laughs> Nearly poked my eyes out, actually, Harriet. That was good, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> it's the story. Sun has just launched a competition called um, the Sun's Bust in Britain contest. Uh, basically, it's back and they have a judge. I don't know who this person is, but they have their own email where you can send in the pictures of your bust and they will decide whether you get through to the final. I'm guessing it's a man judging these, but if it's a woman, please let me know. And then if you win, you uh, get whisked off to Spain and you get a thousand pounds plus a professional photo shoot. If you're a runner up, you get 250 pounds. Um, and they're doing this whole big. Um, Roundup for for women to celebrate their their busts, take photos and send them in. We've had Kelly Brook this week talking about it. What I loved in the sun is they've got a whole like judge giving you top tips, and uh, they've even got some thoughts from their uh, boobologist. Yes, ladies, <laughs> you can have the job title boobologist. Now, why don't they tell me that at school? Uh, and guess what? It's a man. <laughs> yes, it's a man. So Patrick Malucci. The boobologist. I think this is such an outdated, irrelevant competition. I feel like this is an April Fool's joke, but, but he but, isn't. <laughs> nah, you're, you're not that bothered. No, I'm not. <laughs> and it might not surprise uh, some of our listeners because I like boobs. I, I like, like boobs. boobs a lot. I look at, I look at I women's boobs. I love boobs. And I like when women's boobs are well-shaped in a dress and I wonder how they've been taped in there and I want to learn how to do it. <laughs> and actually, when you in the list in the article, there are lots of boobs. And I would look through that list and be like, great boobs, great boobs, great boobs. Like those, wouldn't necessarily want those ones. And so I'm just like, what Me else? Too, and equally, it's also the sun. The sun has been known for boobs. I don't care. I'm not saying it's right, but it's the sun. But that, I don't think if we it, should if let it If it off. was the FT suddenly saying we're having a boob competition, I'd be like, well, that's <laughs> a bit strange. But it's the sun. And I, my nan used to buy the sun. And I remember opening the page and, you know, page three girl was there and it was just it was just normal my mum still buys the sun but I tell you what you're I don't normal. think she'd I don't think she'd bat an eyelid to be honest the trouble for is for the sun it is I it's can all about boobs I can, boobs football I can guarantee if you are a grandma with great boobs and you submit a picture I bet you don't make the final right it'll only grandma, be the 22 year old pouting grandma if you've got good boobs stick them in there I want to see your well, boobs in there. But in this there. is, I think what's so interesting there is what you said. You're like, I really like boobs. I want to see them. I want to see them, you know, strapped in. I want to see them nicely shaped. But what we're talking about is not boobs. We're talking about Sexual breasts boobs. that have been sexualized by men to look a certain Judged way. Judged by a man. Judged by a man. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really sad. This isn't a competition to find Britain's 
best bust in just a you know what however that works i was thinking best looking bust that appeals to a male gaze if they did the best chess competition and they had women and men and they were objectifying women and men in the same way i think i'd be a bit more like well obviously it's the sun because it's equal but it's not it's women again and it's like i know that as a woman you can enter these competitions you celebrate yourself but i also think we have to understand as women as when we partake and we support these things we're perpetuating that culture where we are sexual objects and it's not equal in society. Well, mates, they're part of the family. Let's drop them an email and say, get a chest competition going. I will happily judge yeah, it. Me too. I mean, it was all about equality. <laughs> do you know what? Let's just do it. We'll do our own TV show and we'll do our own <laughs> best chest competition. Best yeah, you know. Welcome back to Badass Women's Hour XL with me, Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton here on Talk Radio. I did promise you that we were going to be talking about running the marathon in your underwear. We are very lucky that we have in the studio with us the amazing model, Jadette Cesar. Hello! Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. So excited to have you on. Very excited to have you. Before we talk about your career, which has been just stellar in the last couple of years, we have to talk to you about the London Marathon. (laughs) When did you decide to run it and when did you decide to run it in your underwear? Okay, so it's all kind of happened quite last minute. Um, Decided to run it about three or four months ago. And um, I was on a retreat with Bryony Gordon, who I'm going to be running with. And um, she was telling me about her experience last year and how she had run the marathon. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Because, you know, in my head, I thought anyone that runs a marathon looks like an athlete, is probably super into running. And I was just not that. I didn't even run for a bus. And so I was like, wow, I would actually really love to do a marathon too. She's like, okay, let's do it. (laughs) And I was like, okay. Um, I'd never watched a marathon. I didn't actually even know how far a marathon was at that point. Um, And then the following week after, she said, okay, so I've signed you up to um, the Royal Parks Half Marathon. So, um, yeah, just come on down and meet me at the start line. And so I Googled, how far is a half marathon? (laughs) I was like, whoa, okay, 15. That doesn't seem so far. And then I started getting my head around, okay, 15 miles is actually like running from my house to my office five times um that's really far (laughs) but went along did the half marathon got to the end and then um about I'd say a month ago maybe three weeks ago me and Bryony were on a run together and um she turns to me and is like you know what would be really cool if we ran the marathon in our underwear I was like wow yeah (laughs) let's do it again basically you two are dangerous when together is what the moral of the story she's a bad influence on you by all again yeah me and brian yeah i think in her article she wrote two girls and they always end up in their underwear those kind of stories especially with me and brian together it's like okay how much mischief can we cause um and so we thought yeah i mean at that point we didn't think about chafing which has proven to be a big issue um you know underwire in your sports bra rubbing yeah yeah. like i have burns here from my last run yeah yeah it's it's that intense yeah um so how have you been preparing for it how have you been dealing with the chafing how have you been getting ready for 26.1 miles or whatever it is um uh, to be well last week we was lucky enough to go out to ibiza with um the body camp 
which is like a, a fitness retreat and we was actually able to practice in the sunshine so now i know what chafing feels like we've been able to get as much product on board as possible i'm basically gonna slather myself in vaseline and probably slide to the finish line um and training wise i mean we've been taking it as as fast and as slow as we want um i don't put a lot of pressure on myself to hit a certain time or train exactly like every day at a certain time in the morning i've sort of done my training based upon what i felt like i want to do not in a way that's lazy but in a sense that i'd never put too much pressure on myself i've always wanted to have a positive association with all of my runs so i run with a team the run them crew charlie um a great guy that creates running communities around Mm -hmm. the world so i run with a group me and Bryony run together having a team that you're accountable to it's probably been the only reason that's got me here i love that because i'm not a natural runner and i love when he said i never want to run and not have a positive association because mm-hmm. i've never put positive association on running i need is to that, flip not, that, that you did park run is that did you not do park run because did, you wanted it to be i did but it was never a positive experience it was always like oh, thank god i did it <laughs> where that. is the pan of chocolate how, how are you jada how are you feeling now you're doing the training though because you know it's quite an intense amount of exercise that you have to yeah. fit in are you feeling good from doing the training yeah yeah i mean you definitely see i walked up um six flights of stairs the other day to i was on the sixth floor my friend had opened a new business and i went to see him and i was like oh got there and not out of breath like your body adjusts really quickly mm. but with talking about positive association i still get the pan of chocolate at the end of the, of the run <laughs> in fact um my trainer uh tim weeks he packs croissants for me because he knows that's what I like on a long run that is my kind of a <laughs> jelly babies just make me sick yeah. um but yeah you need to have a good experience when you're doing it otherwise what's the point of putting yourself through it and in your head you're just like I don't want to do this I want to give up it doesn't have to be painful I listen to Oprah's podcast when I'm running mm. or good music or I I was saying it's Bryony the other day it's learning to hijack your brain so that you're having the best experience possible. And then now for me, before I would never run on the road on my own. I just didn't think, you know, I could do it. I didn't want to do it. It was scary. And now actually, once you've taken that step and you're, you're confident and positive and you've got that that courage in you to do it, you're like, hell yeah, I can do this on my own. I don't need anyone around. Jada, I have got to stop looking at you because I've just fallen a little bit in love with you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, you had a question. So, what's the background? Why are you running? I know that you are an ambassador for Young Minds. So who are you running for? Um, so we're running this marathon for Heads Together, mental health charity. Okay. And tell us about Heads Together and what they are about and helping for anyone who doesn't know. So Heads Together are an umbrella for Young Minds. They look after different charities that are all about, that all, promote positive mental health support well-being um a kind of facility for people that are feeling mentally i guess in need of some i I guess a foundation of building strong mental health and you can go to them for advice and support um and yeah i think through my work with young minds charity that's how i got involved with heads together and do you think because of who you're running for you purposely then taken a positive attitude to the way that you train because it would be counterproductive to do anything else yeah it's really interesting actually the other day um uh somebody got in touch with me and said what it's interesting that you're journaling your um mental journey not your physical journey and i believe that it all starts and ends in your mind Mm. so being able to even get to the start line 
was purely because in my head I thought mentally I can do it yeah why not you know your body is capable of incredible things you just have to get there um and you know little things that hijacking your brain again but little habits to get to the gym I make sure everything's lined up so in the morning when I'm rolling out of my bed I roll into my gym kit into my trainers (laughs) roll out the door before my brain has time to catch up to know what I'm actually doing so I think heads together and young minds they all fit really well into the the motivation in going and doing the marathon yeah and where have you got all these kind of mind hacks from like you sound like you're very emotionally intelligent in terms of like you understand how your mind works how you're gonna use your psychology to like help you run where have you where have you learned about this how have you got to this sort of stage um I studied it. So I I have a degree in psychology and a master's in child psychotherapy, but I've just always been interested in taking control of, of my mind and the thoughts and understanding why as human beings we do certain things. Is it nature? Is it nurture? Is it things that have been imprinted into us through our childhood or the way our parents have raised us? And I've always been curious about you know rewiring my mind to be the best version of myself and I read a lot I'm always curious to um, find out other people's mindset so at the moment I've got a book from um, Brene Brown that's all about like about embodying the power of vulnerability so being okay in that space and how in that space of vulnerability you can then grow and that's where you actually feel the most joy because you've let go of everything else and those are the things that I live for because I don't think I've ever felt that empowered with something I've ever bought or something outside of me um so yeah and so that's a really a really interesting mindset to have I guess in the industry that you're in because you're in the fashion industry and you are probably one of the leading plus size models in the fashion industry right now and you created that you sort of built that brand for yourself but it is an industry that kind of preys on people's insecurities a bit how do you balance the two of them good question (laughs) um I think I well I know I fell into modeling accidentally it was when I was studying my master's and working and observing a lot of young people that had eating disorders and body dysmorphia that I started using social media as a way to campaign for more body diversity in the fashion industry and um, I think from there that ironically put me in the fashion industry because I was scouted and became a model but I don't believe that you know modeling has given me the most incredible platform to have a voice and brands that I've worked with have, have like I just shot the L'Oreal self-worth campaign with the Prince's Trust charity to help people change their self-doubt into self-worth and it can be one of those industries that you want to pick yourself apart and aspire to be a certain way which is why I feel like it's key and it's pivotal to my career to use Instagram and the platforms I've created to not only put up pictures that are empowering for people but also to give something back like what is my mindset what makes me feel confident how can I serve the people that I'm talking to so that they can feel the way that I feel about myself because I think that's your duty in a sense if you are confident about the way that you feel to help people that don't feel as confident I want to talk to you a bit about your career and how it came out because you said oh you know I just started this campaign on social media 
I mean, we've all started a bit of a campaign on social media <laughs> when, you know, there was a hair in our coffee and that kind of thing. And it doesn't take off in the same way. What were you trying to achieve and what happened? How, why do you think it got so big? I think it was the right time. Um, girls were fed up of not seeing themselves represented. We wanted to wear the clothes that everybody else was wearing. I'll just add I'm a size 16 and five foot nine and would struggle to wear clothes and find the right things that fitted me six five six years ago and i mean size 16 is the average size in the uk so that didn't really make sense mm. um so i think it was the right time and social media had kind of well i definitely you know instagram had just started and i was one of the you know got onto it before everybody else did started talking about it um and i think it was a, a clear consistent message that i was really passionate about often often not we you know we're passionate about something from time to time and forget about it and then move on to the next thing but working with young people and seeing how it really infected their brains and just really made them feel so you know their confidence so diminished it was it just reminded me of how you know times I felt when I was growing up and also my little nieces how would they feel growing up if there wasn't any diversity for them to see yeah Nat. We were on a panel together and you mentioned that your dad was a really positive influence as well. Um, do you think enough people have the support of their family to let them know that actually what they're seeing on social media isn't isn't a reality? Yeah. I well, was, it is, it is a different reality. Yeah, I call those anchors. Mm -hmm. I was really lucky enough to have my, my family as a really strong anchor growing up. Um, my mum never really wore makeup I never had fashion magazines in the house my dad enrolled me into like violin and um, swimming lessons and you know he was like we would have sit down and have career talks and he'd be like okay so are you going to do your doctorate will that take one year okay very good you can get it done in one year right? I'm like, no it doesn't work like that but education was key he would always tell me stories like I'll take you into we would go to Waterstones and um, he would say you know we have all the money in the world for books and so he'd be like go in and buy what you want get what you want and so I would have these adventures through different authors growing up and that was for me was what I lived for and I think if maybe I didn't have that and I had more attention placed upon you know to, you have to wear the latest jeans or the latest trainers and that's what's important and that's what dictates your self-worth and maybe I'd be a different person. Mm -hmm. Ada, can you tell us a bit more about your um, being a social media influencer? Because I know this time, well, around about last year, we sat next to each other at dinner and I didn't really know a lot about being a social media influencer. I just saw accounts that have loads of followers. You have 173,000 followers on Instagram. But I sat next to you and the way you talked about how you were developing yourself, well, I was just absolutely mesmerized, but also at your business and branding knowledge um, and you were telling me some of the work that went into that and I wonder if you could share some of the ways that you have been successful as a social media influencer because of the way you've approached it oh lots of things um <laughs> so I can tell you like logistically like the technical things is knowing when your um, followers are most engaged posting when they're going to be online and watching you and that's all down to analytics and Google Analytics and Instagram Analytics but I think what excites me the most is really connecting with your audience and 
you know, being a part of a conversation and, and finding out what it is that they want to hear from you and how you can give back to them. Because everyone's coming to your page selfishly for a reason, because you make them feel a certain way, whether that's a beauty brand that they want to buy into because it makes them feel more confident when they put that lipstick on, or whether it's, you know, we go to Oprah because she inspires you to be the best version of yourself. Somebody's coming to you for a reason. And it's hard when you are your brand because you are changing, you are developing, your interests have, you know, my interests change all the time and reining that into really define what it is you want to put out there and so I'm constantly doing mind and vision boards and and understanding what that is and what doesn't need to be shared as well because Mm. that can be a hard thing oversharing being able to pull back that you know that's a skill in itself and how do you deal with I don't know all the likes all the messages the trolling I'm just thinking if you've got that amount of followers like you know when you do a post how you kind of manage that bombarding of of uh I don't know like adoration (laughs) yeah um i think you kind of can't put too much value on it you can't put too much value on the love and the likes the same way you can't on the negative stuff i think that's the trap that we can fall into and i think i've probably fallen into a few times where i've definitely had all these likes and been like oh wow okay that must really work so maybe i should post more of just that and then i'm like no because that's not we're women Mm. that are multifaceted it's not just about i don't know the bikini pictures we're more than that and and once I stop putting value on those likes then I I can kind of let go and I don't when I post a picture I might be online trying to reply to comments for the first 20 minutes and then after that I let it go and just let it do its thing um also mind hack well this is more of an Instagram (laughs) hack I was reading a few articles and it says that when you swipe down your feed and that little timer thing at the top it does something to your brain where once the likes pop up and you see that little bubble it sends this cortisol in your brain that makes you then get a spike of gives you a little like dopamine isn't it i think those kind of things scare me (laughs) because that's well all social media has been designed exactly for for that they've programmed all of social media to to basically make us addicted to the dopamine Mm -hmm. yeah that's worrying but loving your work (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna wager a bet because I I do think you're the next big thing I've told you this already sending lots of love your way (laughs) and the thing that made me think that first of all I was following you when you're in Sydney but you did the women's health naked issue not many people would get naked and where were you were you outdoors (laughs) were you on a rooftop (laughs) A very cold rooftop. So naked <laughs> on East a roof. London. <laughs> exactly. Overlooking a lot of builder vans <laughs> driving past. So how do you... So, you know, there was probably a point where you never even thought that you would be doing a shoe like that. How do you get to a point where you're doing that sort of shoe and you're doing it confidently, complete? because you are starkers, but you're showing that your body, you love your body, you embrace your body for everything that it is and sending that message while equally doing a glamorous shoe on a, on a, on a beach. So I, I'm keen to know, how, you know, in terms of your, how you build your brand as a model, who who is it that you that you want to be? What's what do you want to be known for? One of the things I first said when I started out was, and not that I still really want this, but I don't want to be a model. I want to be a role model. Okay. And I mean, a role model sounds like a really big word of a, a lot of responsibility. And I don't know if I can live up to that, but I want to try my best. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I do in my work is constantly just trying to 
be the best, most responsible person and add value back to everybody else and, you know, add value to the world and humanity in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that can sound quite deep, but I think that's the only reason we're on this planet. And um, I think going back to doing the naked photo shoot, the only reason I think I was able to do that was because I don't put much value on the way I look Mm -hmm. and you know needing to look perfect or needing that reassurance from people a good a good practice that I do and a lot is like remembering what are your skills what are your talents what are the things that you know don't you know define your outer being Mm. um and just remembering that gives me that confidence and you bring that to your modeling Mm. yeah Is there anything that you wouldn't do? So part of that kind of values is about saying, actually, I wouldn't work with this particular brand or I wouldn't do a photo shoot where they're going to Photoshop me down to a size zero. Do you put kind of boundaries in place for what you say yes and no to? Um, Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I always think if my dad was around, what would he say? (laughs) That's what I always go back to. Um, Would he agree with it? Would he think that this was relevant to the bigger message like what's the purpose of what you're doing um I always just think about it when I get to that I would never say I'd never do this I'd never do that I think you have to take each case individually um but I think if it doesn't align with your beliefs and values then you have to just let it go because I think that's all you have really uh so yeah And you're based in Sydney now, is that right? Um, Well, I actually moved out there for three months and moved back here and going back in May for another month. Um, I just love the sunshine, so. (laughs) Sun chaser. Based on what's going on outside right now, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. And Jada, what's next for you? Like, what are your next ambitions in terms of like your career now or your aspirations? After you've run the marathon, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Have a lie down. And then what are you going to do? Definitely probably not going to leave my bed for three weeks. (laughs) I'll probably be like in agony. Um, I I don't really know. There's a few things in the pipeline that I don't know if I can talk about now, but um, yeah, I mean, I'd love to start a podcast. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, what you guys are doing is brilliant. Um, Having different people on and sharing different people's stories, Uh, a podcast possibly. Um, Yeah. And just spreading the word of like the power of your mind, the power of positivity. Possibly yeah. too. You can see the Jada show. Yeah. Oh, okay. Can you imagine? Stop it. Let's get a book, makeup line, clothes. Clothes, yeah. yeah. World domination, yeah. basically. Yeah. Basically, just being a badass woman like you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when you're looking at kind of where you want your career to go and what you want to achieve, are who inspires you? Because it's it's sometimes really difficult when you're quite, like, you're a big success and then actually to look at who the next big success is that's oprah you know which is like how, <laughs> yeah. God. How, do you yeah. look really at that level and you're like that's where i want to go or do you find people midway that you're like actually they're doing something really amazing i'm going to try and emulate that um two things i always think you should look at the very end goal because like they say if you don't get there at least you're somewhere in between and that's mm. still incredible like i like you know i look at angelina jolie's humanitarian work and her fearlessness and then I look at Oprah's grounding humility like humbleness and I try to bring that both in to what I do um but then I also look at people that are relatable so a lot of my friends who are doing something better than me that can teach me and that I can learn from um I yeah you know having people that are 
just above you are a more realistic way of achieving the goals that you want to achieve because they've done it and it's not too far out of reach mm. so they can take you to that next level it can be really easy when we're talking to people just to talk about kind of what's worked for you and what's been successful is there anything you've done that hasn't worked and what have you learned from it mm. what hasn't worked definitely having too many things on the go um spreading yourself too lightly and not being true to what you believe in like you know it's really easy if people around you are doing these incredible projects and you could you could do it you know in this day and age we have so many options available to us it's almost a double-edged sword because they become too overwhelming and you don't do any of it but knowing that you could do it but you don't want to it's not your time mm. and it's not for you right now um that's been a real big lesson yeah is there anything so I was thinking about you said you had a fashion line mm -hmm. so and then you were like actually this is a huge thing yeah I'm, is that was that the lesson there was about saying this isn't the right time for it let's do something else um yeah so when I started my capsule collection Cesar um you know I believe that you can do everything but you can't do everything on your own yeah and sometimes you need to wait for the right time and the right people and building a team. A lot of the time I'm like, right, okay, I'm in my room and it is a, a one woman show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sometimes you have to be like, okay, no, not right now and not yet. Mm. Yeah. You mentioned the humanitarian side of things um, and I know you went to Gaza. Tell us more about that and how it fits with you know, what you believe in and the way you'd like the world to be. Yeah. Um, when I was in Australia, I went out to Palestine with um, Save the Children. And it was just an extraordinary experience because you just don't believe such like segregation still happens and racism and in this day and age. And um, I think the reason I really embrace those moments is because we can get so sidetracked with our lives and our, you know, the hangups we have that we don't believe that these things are happening and people are affected on such a bigger, greater scale. Um, so just exposing me to those situations, not only am I able to then hopefully, and I hope I do this effectively enough, spread the kind of thing that they're going through and the oppression that they feel in a more, uh, like, you know, in the Western world, mm -hmm. in, in a space that, you know, I talk about fashion in the same breath. So it's not too heavy. Sometimes we can get overwhelmed by these news, news feeds that are too much. But yeah, I hope I bring that balance in. Jada, it has been amazing having you on the show. You're doing incredible things and achieving so much. Uh, thank you for joining us. If people want to see more of you, learn more about you, where can they find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram, which is at Jada Cesar, or on Twitter, at Jada Cesar. Um, I think I'm the only person with that handle <laughs> on everything. So it's pretty easy. It's, yeah. it's just Jada Cesar. <laughs> yeah. Jada, it's been a delight. Thank you so My much. Uh, coming up, we are going to be talking about the gender pay gap. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you have missed, I don't know, if you've been asleep the whole week, then you might have missed the fact that this week became the week when legally, officially, companies with more than 250 people had to report their gender pay gap. Uh, so we are going to be talking about actually what is the gender pay gap and what do we now know about it and what is going to be happening about it with Sean Webb, who is the vice president of a company called Gap Square, which specializes in doing the analysis of the gender pay gap. Uh, she's on the phone with us now. Hi, Sean. Hi there. Uh, so first of all, let's start off. What do we mean when we say the gender pay gap? Um, it's a good question to start with, I think, because there's been there's been a lot of confusion, I think, um, in the UK about what the difference is between the gender pay gap and equal pay. Yeah, Harriet, now, just quickly, Harriet pointed this out in the break. She was like, okay. it's not the same thing, Natalie. <laughs> yeah, it is definitely not. And the thing is, a lot of people do get confused by it. Um, the gender pay gap is essentially, um, it looks at, as a whole, um, an organisation's pay structure. Um, so what you do, um, you take all the all the men in an organisation and add up all, essentially all of their pay and work out the average hourly rate that men get. And then you do, do the same with the women. And then you look at the difference between the two, and that difference is the gender pay gap. Oh. So it's not about... Um, it's not about like one someone earning more than another doing for the same job, but looking at, as I said, the company as a whole. So then you look at, well, what does this actually mean in terms of what, what does this actually show? And actually, it's not about, it, um, as I said, it's not about one person being paid more than another, but about, I guess, the structural inequalities that exist in the workplace. And what do I mean by that? That's, for example, there being more men in better paying positions, like you get more men on boards, or more, pen, more men in higher paying roles, for example, in technology and um, engineering compared to women who are more likely it to be doing jobs in admin or support roles. So it's kind of, it's the structural inequalities that exist in the workplace. It's kind of what mm -hmm. the gender pay gap shows. And Sean, lots of people this week have been saying it's actually not worth very much knowing this, that it, it doesn't help us in any way, that actually knowing that people at the top of the organisation get paid more than people at the bottom and that most of them are men versus most of the people at the bottom being women, well, we all kind of knew that. We've learned nothing. What actually is the value of this reporting? Um, I mean, I, th I, do th I do think on the one hand, the right, the data isn't perfect. But it is just the beginning, and I do think that what you can see actually goes a long way. So one, one of the things we've learned this week that eight out of ten companies have um, show that um, that 
women across the organization are being paid less than men. And this is something we never knew before. I mean, yes, we knew there was always going to be a lack of women in senior positions. Um, we also learned that there is no sector in the UK in which men are paid, in which women are paid better than men. Wow. Um, and that's actually quite staggering. You know, we live in 2018. You'd like to think that, you know, we've made some progress, but actually it shows that we've actually got, a, you know, a huge way to go. The other thing it shows, I think, is um, there are obviously some companies that do worse than others. And I think that this will have a knock-on impact on recruitment and retention of, um, of female staff. If you take, if, I mean, taking, for example, um, the, um, the airline industry. So I know that like EasyJet, when they reported their figures, and they've got a, um, a mean pay gap of 51%, and they came out a few months ago, and they came under quite a lot of scrutiny and criticism um, for having a, a pay gap of 51%. But then Ryanair came out last week and said that they've got their gender pay gap is 67%. Um, and then you look at British Airways, which has a pay gap of 35 Now, it shows that as Airways goes, there are some that can do better than others. And as a woman working in that particular sector, would you prefer to work for an airline that actually has a small gender pay gap compared to a bigger one? Great you're point. more likely to you're more likely to want to work for an organization that's got a smaller gender pay gap. And we're already seeing, you know, headhunters call up women and saying, Oh, have you thought about moving to a competitor that's got a smaller gender pay gap? Because what does it actually show is that there's opportunities for progression and for um, and for promotion within a company for women and that there's um, and if you you know, if there is a larger gender pay gap and the companies are not really doing anything about it, then it does make you think, is this an organisation that I want to work for? I do agree with you, but I think bringing, this, bringing it down to the thing that I, I want to know actually is if I'm sitting next to someone and they're male and we're doing the same job, are we being paid the same? And I wonder if this sort of reporting for an individual in an organisation is still quite macro. So how do we marrow this macro information with, but this is what it means for you in your job day to day? And I think that's, um, I think that's what a lot, of pe- a lot of women out there are asking is, well, what does this actually mean for me mm-hmm. as an individual? Yeah. And I've had a, I obviously have had a lot of friends turn around and just asking me about the like, these are the figures that exist in my company. What what do I do with this? Yeah, exactly. And you know, and I'm going around. I'm I'm going back to them and I'm suggesting. Well, actually, start ask, start asking questions. Um, I mean, the first thing I'd want to ask is is actually, do they understand the data that's being presented? Um, as I said, the data the data isn't perfect, and there, there's a lot of more questions that you can ask. Um, at Gap Square, we kind of break down the data, um, company's data into, um, into greater detail so they can get a better understanding of what actually causes the gender pay gap in the first place. And we've seen, for example, that the gender pay gap jumps massively when you get over the age of 30. Mm-hmm. Um, so before, under, you know, moving from a, like a graduate to the age of 30, the gender pay gap is very small. Um, but when you yeah, go over the age of 30, which is traditionally where more women start to have children or taking more time off, start working part time, um, having children, you see the gender pay gap jump hugely. And the same with the length of service. You see that the longer a woman works with an organization, the, the bigger the pay gap is more likely to be. So you, you could be so one of the first things I would say is start asking questions to kind of start understanding the data. Well, what exactly causes the gender pay gap within the within your company? Um, is it linked to occupational segregation? I've seen, for example, um, a lot of companies turning around and saying, um, you know, it's because there's not a lot of women in the higher paid roles. 
And I've seen that pay gaps exist within companies, even when women are well represented in those higher paid roles. So that's not, for me, that's not just, that's not an adequate excuse. Mm. It's about actually getting companies to not just, to actually explain what's going on. And then for me, what's really important is what are they going to do about it? Having an action plan. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen so many reports where they're just talking about it and they don't actually have an action plan or put in, importantly, really tangible targets that they can measure against. Because what is actually, I think, really important is what's going to happen in the second year and in the third year of reporting. That's what's going to be really interesting. Um, We want to see that companies are doing something about it and making progress. We knew that there was always going to be a pay gap across the board, um, you know, we, like, like you Sean, said earlier, that yes. Sean, what's the what are the structural things that need to change? You used a great example in terms of the um, flight industry, and that you know British Airways are doing better than Ryanair. But what 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 are the things that some of these companies that have a, a slightly better gender pay gap are mm-hmm. are doing? Do, do you have a clear kind of outline of some of the things that companies need to be doing much better at? Yeah, I mean, and again, I don't think you'll be surprised by any of them. Um, so flexible working. Um, I think is a big is is one big um, can be one actionable change, not just having a flexible working policy because a lot of people can have policies, but making sure that that's actually truly embedded within the organisation. Um, when you have more people, like when women, like as I said, go off and have um, and go off and have children, you find the gender pay gap jump. It means there's less. They tend to find that it's because there's less opportunity to be able to move and get promoted because they're so. What they're worried about the fact that any other organisation, if they move, can't um, won't give them the same sort of flexibility that they've already got, or that they won't be considered for promotion because you know they take time off to have children. But actually, for there to be um, policies in um, within a company that promote um, that offer promotion for part-time working or share you know sharing positions, flexible working, and another big thing, and this is when I. Um, when I think it's not just a women's issue, but around parental leave and about really changing the culture that we have around men taking time off to look after children as well. Um, mm-hmm. Often it's seen that women um, bear the brunt of the child caring responsibilities, um, often because maternity packages within companies um, are very much skewed towards women and they've always historically have been and actually it's about that culture shift I think. Yeah because we're seen as a liability as a woman you're a liability because you might take a year off to have a baby where a man doesn't ever have that so until it until a man is a a liability like a woman then that's never going to change. Yeah and in some Scandinavian countries they've actually changed they've changed things so that actually I think it's Norway where in the first two years of um a guy having a kid, he has to take he has to take three months off paid to help raise raise the child, mm-hmm. and that immediately changes the dynamics of you know your workforce when it comes to you, there's no longer that women being seen as a liability because actually both when you decide to become a parent that's a like a joint responsibility that you take and mm-hmm. that both and that both parties. Um, have to sacrifice an element of their Sean, training. Sean, quickly, because I'm just flexing my GCSE maths here. <laughs> if I uh, had a gap, uh, so I was running a company and I had a gender pay gap, if I brought in a woman and just decided to decided to pay her a load of money, could I make it look like my gap was smaller, even if the actual structural things didn't change? Um, with what? It depends on the size of the company. Mm-hmm. So if you had... A- if you had a company of 10 and you brought in one more woman and paid her a huge amount, yes, of course, that would change. Mm-hmm. Um, that would change the 
the, the mean pay gap less likely than median mm-hmm. because the difference between the mean the mean essentially um, can be skewed by really high earners yeah. um, whereas the median is the middle value mm-hmm. so if you have the majority of people that are like the majority of women are on that slightly slow lower salary than men that is why you have that, that you can't really change the the median gender pay gap by just going so in basically so what i'm trying to get is one. so i couldn't manipulate the data by just saying right by next year i'm just going to bring in it so for 250 people i'm going to bring in a woman in each division pay her loads of money and it looks like everything's hunky-dory when things aren't that is not possible it would change it would change the mean but it would not not the, the median. median yeah okay no. great and do companies have to report on both or is it can they pick one or the other they have to, so they have to report on both the mean and the median. Um, they look at the con, uh, the workforce composition. So they're looking at men and women across the four quartiles, which is um, organizing your company from the lowest paid to the highest paid, dividing them into four equal, equal quarters, and then plotting men and women in each quarter. Okay. Um, so that's another thing. So that's another thing to actually look at. Are there more women in your higher quartiles? And mm. when you usually see a lack of women in that high in those higher paid roles, is usually an indication of what's going on within your gap. And Sean, the does, other thing, oh, does sorry. The, that's it. Yeah. Does the gender pay gap mm-hmm. go far enough? Because when we were looking at, say, the BBC's pay a few months ago, and that came out, one of the things that was really clear there was it just wasn't just about women; it was also people of colour. So should we be extending this reporting out just beyond gender? Um, Absolutely. I think that um, the ethnicity pay gap is something that we, um, that should definitely be extended. It's something that actually at Gap Square we offer um, as part of the software that we provide. You can immediately get the ethnicity pay gap as well as your gender pay gap. Um, and that's something that we've got the Greater London Authority and London Metropolitan Police um, who reported um, a few weeks before they reported their gender pay gap figures they reported their ethnicity pay gap figures, which was using our software to be able to do that because it's actually not that difficult. Yeah, um, if you collect if, inequality if you, gaps basically. So whether you're looking at disability or socioeconomics, because I'm sure if you dug into it, people that didn't go to uh, private school and then didn't go to Oxbridge are paid less. Even again, I'm going back to the same job thing, but that they're still mm-hmm. paid less, and that's what companies really need to address. That it isn't the same type of person being paid a lot, lot more and getting to the C-suite or getting around the board table. Mm-hmm. And finally, Sean, um, so we know there are about 1,500 companies who haven't reported yet. What's going to happen to them? Well, the EHRC, who are the ones um, monitoring um, the legislation, have said that um, said they're going to be writing a letter and ask, uh, to all of those 1,500 companies and giving them 28 days to, to respond. And if they don't, they'll be... Um, they say that they can put in unlimited fines. So they cut, they've they've issued a very strong statement this week. They're saying this is legislation. It's the equivalent, you know, of you not filing your tax return. Um, and whilst I think there's going to be um, this year, I think there might be, you know, a little bit of flexibility because of the fact that, you know, it's a new piece of legislation. It's essentially... Yeah, they are going to come in, and they're going to um, they're going to be penalising those that are not that, that have not followed the, yeah not followed the law. Fantastic, Sean. Thank you so much for joining us, and really give us really good detail mm, detailed in good. depth look at it. Uh, Sean Webb, Vice President of Gap Square, talking about the gender pay gap. This has been Badass Women's Hours. Best bits. 
Uh, if you liked it, please do rate, review and subscribe us. We love that. Five stars. Um, or come chat to us on social media. You can find us at Badass Women's Hour HR, at Badass Women's Hour, or come talk to us individually. I'm at Harriet Minter. At Emma Sexton. And at Nat D. Campbell. And we'll be here again next week, same time, same place. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.